everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast Network. Craig Schaub here with George Thomas. And if George Thomas is here, that means we're talking about movies and we're getting closer to the holidays, George. And we're talking about perhaps the biggest blockbuster to be released this year. And that is Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I don't know that this is the end of this trilogy. It's maybe, you know, somewhere in the middle or maybe the ending of this storyline. But uh, Tom Holland returns for the third time in his standalone film, this time here with No Way Home. George, tell us a little bit about this movie that everybody just seems to be excited about and willing to spend thousands of dollars on tickets. Is it <laughs> worth it? Boy, that's that's vague about that trilogy stuff, isn't it? Is it worth it? <laughs> right. um, I'd never spend $25,000 on a movie or $5,000 <laughs> on a movie like some of these yeah. idiots are, are apparently doing. But, you know, if you got 15 bucks, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? This is absolutely, without a doubt, a a, a webhead's dream. Yeah. Um, you know, I, for those who remember the last movie, um, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, played by Tom Holland, comes home. Mysterio, who's now dead, has a little present for him, reveals his identity, and all of a sudden, his life becomes hell. Life for him becomes hell. Life for his aunt becomes hell. Life for his his friends become hell. And, you know, like most people in life, Spidey knows a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, Dr. Strange. So he uh, he heads to Dr. Strange's place, gets Dr. Strange to cast a spell that Peter Parker inadvertently interferes with. And that spell basically opens up the multiverse. And through the multiverse comes non-MCU Spider-Man villains. That's the best way to put it. First, Doc Ock appears, and we know that's Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Then, um, who was second? Oh, Green Goblin. Again, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And the Sandman, even. Okay. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Next up, Electro shows up and Kirk Connors and I forget the villain's name. The lizard. The lizard. Yeah. yeah. I, I, he, isn't he called something else in the comic books? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he's okay. always been referred to as the lizard. And therefore we've got Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man villains represented and they, they come into the MCU and they realize that Spider-Man, this Peter Parker, isn't theirs. Right. Doesn't stop them from unleashing a little bit of hell, however. Right. Um, and it's up to Spider-Man and friends. <laughs> In this case, what kind, of, what kind of friends? No, MJ and Ned. Uh, okay. Okay, okay. To Scooby-Doo this stuff, as, as Dr. Strange says. He puts yeah. kids in charge of trying to figure this out. Not not figure it out, but, but capture these villains so yeah. he can send them back to the multiverse. Okay. Now, through all this, 
you know, Aunt May is Spider-Man's moral compass in this, this universe. She convinces them after they learn that all those villains met their deaths while fighting Spider-Man, that she that he should just do what he can to fix their respective problems. So she wants him to work with the, the psychopaths <laughs> to try and turn them straight. It makes for some very, very interesting stuff. Right. Now, you allude to friends, I'm not going to go there. There are plenty uh, of trailers out there if you want them, go seek them out. <laughs> Well, we can go spoiler free, but since we're uh, audio only, if you want to give me like a thumbs up or something, if we have other special friends, please do so if you want. Um, okay, so George is doing something. I won't tell anybody. So I guess my question is when when these um when these villains come back from their multiverse, is this right away? I mean, do, do they open up this uh, you know Pandora's box right away, or is it like a climax? You know, it's more of a climax or do we you get like a story with them? You know what? I, I, I checked my watch about about 20, 20 minutes in, and probably five to ten minutes later, Doc Ock appears. Okay. And this is a, a movie that's like two and a half hours long. Right. So, right. you know, you got a good solid two hours of them yeah. dealing with this issue. And it's a okay. very compelling issue that raises some nice, nice, moral con quandaries right and feature some great performances by the actors who 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 assume those roles in the original original movies like willem defoe is is <laughs> is willem defoe you you right. and i both expressed our our appreciation yes. for him as an actor he's better this time around ditto for jamie right, right. fox and they're, they they have fun with it, like I forget Electro's real name in 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 what was it Spider Man Amazing Spider Man, I forget yeah. the character's Max. name, right? Max. But they Max make fun of, they make fun of the the comb over look, the glasses <laughs> and everything, because because this time around electro is jamie fox you know what i mean yeah yeah, that, yeah. That cool i'm cool look blah 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 and he, they have fun with it so there's plenty of humor there as well okay. um there are just some tremendous emotionally resonant moments because it starts with the conceit it takes the conceit of with great powers come great responsibility and it works its way through the movie and eventually the character of Spider-Man, the, the, the concept of Spider-Man is returned to its roots. Right. And at the end of the movie, you know, I never felt it coming on. But at the end of the movie, I, I have a tear coming down my face. Okay. So they did it right. If this if this is Tom Holland's last go around, and I seriously doubt that, right? Because I I read something last week where somebody surmised that he's the heart and soul of, of the MCU right now. I can't I can't dispute that right now. Sure. Yeah. I think they, they're 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 
they're um, trying to set up Timmy Lou to to eventually grow into a similar role right. down the line. But I, I can't dispute that right now Tom Holland has taken that that Tony Stark, Robert Downey mantle, and and it's everything is 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 centered around, if not dominated by this character. And it makes sense given that forever Spider-Man has been the most popular character in the Marvel canon. So right. you can't tell well, out of the movie. Yeah. A couple of questions. Uh, at the end of uh, Spider-Man 2, though, I could have, sw- didn't Doc Ock kind of, um, you know, the inhibitor chip was, was righted and it seemed like he was on the path of, of being a good guy. So uh, does he like revert back to his pre- you know, good guy, like drowning that massive weapon of mass destruction thing in, in Spider-Man 2, because all of a sudden it's like, how is he a bad guy in this movie when he ended on sort of good terms when he died? We're not giving away plot points like that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's just say the multiverse opens up different moments in time. Like if you look at Alfred Molina, he's been de age Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, which had to have been done, but he's younger than you remember him being in Spider-Man Two. Okay, or or just ever so slightly, he's he's youthful. That's the best sure. way to put it. Okay. Uh, um. So, I'm okay, not going to give fair. that away. That that would be a spoiler. So. Okay, fair enough. The other question was, um, you know, one of the things I think everybody can kind of agree. Spider-Man 3 kind of got away from everybody because I think that was just bogged down in too many villains. Well, here we have just a plethora of Spider-Man villains, you know, in the, from the future coming into the present. Uh, why does it work so much better this time around when you have even more villains, in, you know, inhabiting the screen versus maybe when it didn't necessarily work with Venom, Sandman, and um, uh, the Hobgoblin and all the other, everything that was going on around that Spider-Man 3, you know, to end that first trilogy? Um, Maybe it's just direction. Maybe it's Kevin Feige's involvement. You you have to realize in those other movements, other other movements, other movies, there was no quote-unquote Marvel involvement beyond the name. Sure. On the credit. Right. Maybe that's the difference there. And and it's got to be a difference in direction. Um, because it's well done, well choreographed, and it's not messy at all. Each of those villains, as many as there are, are given reverential moments. That's the best way to put it. They're given their moments. And as weird as it, it seems in servicing that number of villains... There's just slightly more ca- character development, so it, pro- it probably helps a little bit that maybe with the exception of Electro, because you know I don't think Jamie Fox was given a whole lot to work with there. That we we have at least gotten to know Doc Ock, and we've gotten to know the Green Goblin in advance, gotten to know the Lizard, and a, a little bit of the Sandman. So I, maybe it was better that we had already previously known them and, and already 
saw their arc maybe go through the the first time around in whatever Spider-Man movie they might have appeared in? There, there are not a lot of. You're you're right. There aren't a lot of questions that need to be dealt with with respect to those villains if you're a Spider-Man fan, and, and you've see, seen all these movies, but. You, you do have to ask yourself what the hell happened to to, to Electro and why he's so cool now. Because his, his alter ego is cool now when, yeah. when he's not using his powers. He's smooth. So in the original character, wasn't that. Yeah. Well, I know that you mentioned they acknowledged the comb over and just the weird sort of personality traits they gave him. But did they sort of acknowledge, you know, like, Maybe even if it's just like a one-liner throwaway joke, like, oh, you look different. I mean, or, you know, because he obviously looks a lot more um, like Electro from the comics. I will say, though, I always thought that his look in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was pretty cool. Like, I actually liked that, like, really blue lightning look that he had. Um, I just didn't think the the villain really worked. It wasn't Jamie Foxx's fault. Just not, the story wasn't there for that, but... Do they even like make fun of the fact that you know? Okay, they acknowledge the fact that he he looks like he should, or looks better, or looks cooler. Yes, they do, and more than one one with with a few one liners okay. they acknowledge that. And they even there's even a nod to the the old comic book costume with the electric yeah. star. There's even a nod yeah. to that. There. Right. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, there, unfortunately, no review for anybody out there that loves reading George's reviews in the Beacon Journal or at the uh, BeaconJournal.com. But what what would be a final grade if you were giving a grade on this film? Uh, it's the best Marvel film of the year. And I could say that unequivocally. Uh, well, you, and you enjoyed Shang-Chi, too, though. Yeah, it, it's without a doubt the best Marvel film. It, it's it's an A-. minus. Okay. Without a doubt. You know, and it, it, what's really nice is it, it gets the fan service right but it gives you something new to chew on. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's emotionally resident. Right. It's very, it's, it's more, more emotional than I thought it would be. Right. Well, this is going to be a big movie. Obviously, you know, I saw you on social media talking about West Side Story's um, unfortunate box office return opening weekend. This probably won't have any issues opening weekend. I mean, do you think that this is the type of movie that's going to springboard the box office forward and, and maybe be like a post-COVID box office? Or will it just be like a great little anomaly for the box office during COVID and we'll get back to normal with movies after this? You know what? At, at, at this point, I think you're looking at a segmented audience where... Young people who believe they're who believe they're less susceptible to COVID, right, will throw throw care to the wind and show up in theaters and congregate and right and and I think West Side Story did what it did or what it didn't do primarily because older audiences. Which let's be honest, that's 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 a film for an older audience. I don't care how they. But yeah. I think people my age, and I'm in my 50s, are a bit more cautious when doing sure. that. I still haven't been in a th full theater yet. And I did it for one movie that they were, that was that was a quote-unquote screening. And then I promptly told them I wouldn't be back. And that's when, and, and several other critics in the area said the same thing. And that's when it changed to, 
critics only stuff. So then it's been at least nine or 10 months. Yeah. Do you think this movie, I mean, it's, you know, everybody talks about saving the box office and whatever. I mean, I, I guess more the, more so than even saving it for the year, I mean, does this is this going to breathe life back into it, or should we not expect, you know, that next kind of movie to be maybe Avatar two next December, where everybody's going to go back in droves, or do you think that this is going to become more standard now for the blockbuster releases, especially next year as we get a few more than we did this year? You know what we we talked about this before. That's that's where exhibition has been hand, heading anyhow where you have a bunch of tent poles and the smaller films were going elsewhere. Right. Much to our, our respective dismay. Right. Um, there are a couple of movies that are on Netflix right now that have been given brief three at theatrical runs that sh- 10 years ago would have had a 90 day, 120 day theatrical window. Right. Been allowed yeah. to pick up steam. I, I, my big fear is that we're past that now. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of people are following suit. I mean, Ben Affleck in an interview said that he's not really interested in doing the IP, IP films anymore, which I guess that kind of squashes any return as Batman, I would imagine. Um, you know, even I don't know if you saw the interview was kind of I didn't see all of it yet, but um, James Cameron and Denis Villeneuve were talking about blockbusters and, you know, Cameron, of course, was, you know, doting on uh, Dune, but, you know, James Cameron was even talking about, you know, he'd rather make, you know, a, a more palatable theatrical release for the people that want it, but then make like a six hour or a 10 hour mini series of something. He even said, you know, his, his next two Avatar sequels are kind of like a six hour mini series more so than it is, you know, two separate movies almost because the way he filmed them. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, you're starting to see, you know, some of the elites in Hollywood even talking about understanding that theatrical is, is going to look very different, maybe even in the very near future, if it already doesn't look different. You you have to evolve or you tend to die, no? Yeah. And, and Cameron needs to shut up and get on a, a, a 4K version of uh, The Abyss. <laughs> That's well, what James Cameron needs to do. He's busy right no, now. I, he's... Yeah. he's Filming back-to-back-to-back avatars, you know? That's the only movie I still play on DVD. Of his? Or just on DVD? On on DVD. Okay. And that's The Abyss. You you can't get it anywhere else. You can't find... There's no Blu-ray for The Abyss? I'm I'm pretty sure there is not. And that's irritating, because I could deal with the Blu-ray. Yeah, but he never even released a Blu-ray. Huh. Well, I'm sure they're working on it, and and, and you know the thing about oh, he is, Cameron, he's working on damn Avatar films. <laughs> well, but he's such a he's such he's such like a perfectionist with that. Like, I can imagine that he wouldn't want to release a 4K unless it met like his standards. You know, like it would have to be everything would have to be fine tooth comb for him to say, yeah, let's release that. Oh, and here we go. I can get the abyss on VHS, <laughs> but I can't get it on Blu-ray. That is that is so strange. I mean, of all the, I mean, I'm not saying it's, 
you know the most popular movie ever but it's a james cameron movie it, it you know it did box office i mean it's well regarded even 30 plus years later like i wonder why you can't find a movie like that on blu-ray is it is it maybe like a, yeah is it is it maybe because of who owns the rights to it i mean is I, it like a rights battle maybe i wonder i i don't know but that's one of the most most requested high death non high death films out there for transfer and you're right it's because he's so meticulous he's probably going to yeah. want to go over every millimeter of that film yeah. to do it right i would guess and that's that's kind of the way he is and um, you know, I, I wanted to bring up before we get into this uh, this other debate that we're going to have. You you did, you wrote a great story uh, for the Beacon Journal on uh, Disney and their battle with YouTube. I wanted to quickly touch that you know touch on that because you did a great job with you know sort of explaining what's going on and just you know what what this maybe could mean for people. But you know, in a nutshell, Disney and, and YouTube are kind of going at it for you know essentially having Disney programming, ABC, ESPN on YouTube TV. Do you think that this is a big deal? I mean, I know it's got to be a big deal for YouTube customers, but I mean, is this maybe Disney saying we don't need cable? We don't need streaming cable. We can do our own thing. And maybe eventually ESPN plus will, will be its own little animal because I don't know no. if you noticed it, but Monday night football was on ESPN plus last Monday and that was kind of a, a changing of the guard for ESPN because they did not want to give that away for anything. That's that's all well and good. It's also very temporary. Okay. Um, here it is. We've talked about the, the economics of this stuff before. Yeah. ESPN is the most expensive individual rights fee channel in cable. And in that realm, okay, for, for, for subscriber fees, right? Right. If they don't, and, and, and sports fans, and I, I'm going to offend somebody, a lot of people when I say this, you're a vocal minority. You can bitch all you want. Not everybody wants to pay for ESPN. Right. I mean, most people don't. I, there was a survey out that I read, a couple, it is, it's a couple years old, that about 20% of current live TV subscribers would pay for ESPN, a standalone right. ESPN app. What the question you're dealing with, how much is that on a monthly basis, considering rights fees for these 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 events, these, these games? I mean, right. ESPN... Is paying $2.7 billion per year for Monday Night Football. Right. I don't know how much their, their, their CFP, college football playoff contract, is. But you have to have access to a massive audience to generate the revenue to pay for those fees. And it's not just going to come from 20% of a live television audience and advertising revenue. It, 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 it's a loss leader. So right. the only way to do that is play hardball with these systems and these live TV providers to get what they want. And currently ESPN charges, the average is like 746 per viewer. 
that's what ESPN is part that that's the ESPN portion of your bill. Right. For the entire for for the entire ESPN's family of channels, it's over nine dollars per month to your bill. And they in my estimation, they need less YouTube TV, but these bigger systems, the bigger cable systems, more than the systems need them. That's why you don't see Valley Sports on 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 YouTube TV or, or practically anywhere else streaming except DirecTV Stream. It's because right. they realize that they can be profitable without it. And it's not a big deal. And just to give you some perspective on that, when YouTube TV announced that they were going to not renew with Valley Sports, that it was probably done, they had yeah. 3 million subscribers. Guess how many subscribers they have now? Probably more. 4 million subscribers. Yeah. That's they don't how care. That there are plenty of people out there are willing to live without sports. And for those right. high in the sky individuals who say, oh, I pay $15 for a standalone ESPN app. No, you're not going to pay $15. You'd be lucky to pay three times that a month for sports. And ultimately, and I've written this before, I think it comes down to how, how gambling shakes out. I still believe, yeah. I still, still believe that the three lesser leagues, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, either come up with their own apps or combine to create and split the revenue. Right. That's what I firmly believe happens. And they go direct to consumer as opposed to to right. having a middleman. That's what I believe is going to happen. And then there's the advertising aspect, which will never go away. Right. I mean, I think we're finally figuring this out in the, in the, to, in the newspaper business because there is a well-known, um, well-known uh, sports website that's apparently lost $41 million since its inception. Mm. trying to sell itself and right. they, they don't have ads on their site. I think we're, I think it, it's coming down to realizing that for us, what we do for what every, everybody else does, it's a mix of subscribers and advertising. That that's, that's how it has to work for it to yeah. be successful and profitable. Well, do we, do you kind of see that? You know, you talked about ESPN, like maybe leagues branching off and just, you know, ESPN has kind of done that this year with the NHL. They have the majority TV package and the majority of their NHL coverage is on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, in fact, I can't even remember the last time they had a game on ESPN other than opening night. So, and, and TNT has the other portion of that contract, but then ESPN and TNT have the NBA contract. And then, of course, you know, the, the football contracts divvied out between multiple networks. But do you feel like that's the future, though, is that, you know, if you can find a way to make it cost effective for yourself, that leagues would say, 
maybe the NFL is like, you know what, we're going to go exclusively with Netflix because they have all the money in the world and they're willing to pay for it, knowing that they're going to get new subscribers just because they're Netflix. And then, of course, they're going to get, you know, sports subscribers because if you like the NFL and you want to watch it, you're going to get Netflix. Is that maybe how you can... Exclusivity? No, the NFL likes everybody's money. (laughs) Yes, that's true. I mean, they... I mean, the, the only NFL carrot left to dangle out there is the NFL Sunday ticket. That's the only yeah. carrot left. ESPN's They're, interested in that, too. Huh? ESPN's interested in Sunday ticket. They yes, might, they are. They want to buy that. And, 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 and even now, the NFL is talking about splitting satellite rights and streaming rights. Right. According to reports. The NFL, I I don't even include in these conversations because they're a different beast. They're going to get their money. Yeah. They're going to get their money from – you don't see the other leagues with huge, huge – let's call them network contracts on the level of ESPN, uh, level of the NFL – because right. they don't bring the eyeballs. Sure. Oh, yeah. Last year, 30-something of the top 50 watch programs in this country last year were NFL football games. Yeah. Well, doesn't that, isn't that, you know, isn't there a little bit of irony with that, given that you just said earlier that most people don't care about sports and that's not where the eyeballs care to, to go to? But then you get the ratings, though. But then I also said I don't even like to include the NFL in this conversation. <laughs> That's but, true. But, That's, but they're a little different. The NFL is up here, and people, I am my head, my hand is up to the ceiling, and everybody yeah. else is 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 down there picking right. up scraps. The, the The hilarious part is that used to be baseball in in, in the NFL, and somehow right. it got screwed up. But yeah. The NFL is there, and then there's everybody else. Right. Okay. That's the reality of the situation. And and a lot of people don't want to subsidize everybody else's sports. Yeah. Period. I mean, people ask me as a a sports writer, how can I not have access to to Cavs and, and Guardians games when that happens? Well, it's very simple. Number one. I'm not a big fan of those sports. Number two, it's not my job to cover those guys. I don't miss them. Number three, if I'm not working in the realm of college football and basketball and in the NFL, I'm not watching sports. I'm not that dude. I'm I'm, I'm part of that 80%, not that 20% that needs a game on every night. I mean, that, my uncle was like that. Used to drive me nuts when I was a kid. <laughs> when I lived with him in Alabama, he he we lived in Selma, Alabama, and he's watching Atlanta Braves baseball. And I'm like, <laughs> on on the only TV with cable in the house. Yeah, okay. The other one was a black and white TV with with an antenna on it, and there was one over the air television station in Selma. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm okay. not, you know, I I'm sort of in that guy, and I hate I hate that I am because my wife's like, all you do is watch sports, and it's like I just love sports. I mean, that's what I grew up watching and playing, and you know, I I will be the guy that will have the uh, Boise State Wyoming college football game on at ten o'clock at night because why not? 
So I do try to splice in my movies and streaming. But yeah, you know, I, I, I have the same problem as your uncle did. No, 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 no. But see, I get it. Part of I said I'm not football. I can do that. I've done yeah. that. I've gone to I've gone to sleep watching UCLA on the West Coast feed right, during right. football season. Yeah, I can do that with football. It's just the rest of it. No. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and let's face it: on a Saturday during football season, regular season, there is nothing else on. Right. Even in prime yeah. time, you. Oh, yeah. College football is so formidable that the other networks run reruns from in the, during the week against ABC's college football game of the week. So, right. you know, and normally yep. those are great games. You don't necessarily care care who the players are, but you you know that they're marquee games they're trying to give you. Right. So oh, yeah. therein lies the difference. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and everybody's got their little passion it's just the football yes that's why i i love cover helping with the browns and even as as bad as they've been i love being around the zips football team right because it's college football but football is my sport the rest of it eh. yeah you can call me you can call me for the nba around playoff time right when it gets interesting yeah I'm not into March Madness. College basketball, eh. I'm really not into baseball. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a, it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, in your story there on BeaconJournal.com, as I read it, um, it, you know, there could be a, a potential, you know, deal in place. Although, if they do not, you know, strike a deal, they can always just stick to, you know, Hulu TV and there are other, you know, other services that, you know, all the Disney products are on. So um, could hurt them a little bit, but I'm, I'm sure they'll probably get over it if they don't strike a deal, but uh, kind of interesting stuff. I just wanted to he- hear your thoughts as I read the story uh, earlier today and just wanted to see if you go off on a tangent on uh, streaming got, or something. Or... You got your tangent, <laughs> but, but see what a lot of people don't realize right now is the adoption of streaming is slowing down. Disney Plus's momentum has slowed slowed down in recent weeks. That's so. true. Yep. Well, maybe to close things, I wanted to you know maybe rev your engine up a little bit more. Um, so George is a great follow on Facebook if you're lucky enough to be Facebook friends with him. But don't follow me on letter. Facebook. You have to be a friend to follow me yes, on Facebook. Yes. I December don't know 11th. People I yeah. don't know on Facebook. Sorry. Yes. This- December 11th at 7.03 p.m., George. I'm looking at this right here. I've never done this before, but here we go. Unpopular opinion. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a wretched, unfunny movie. I'm prepared for the hate. Okay. I will say this, and I don't, and I don't, we'll get, we'll get to your, your Christmas movie preferences and it is the season. So why not? But, um, Growing up, A Christmas Story was my jam, and it still kind of is. But as I've grown up, I think I relate a little bit more to Clark Griswold and his struggles trying to have the perfect Christmas, the struggles and, you know, the the nerves and issues that with, with money and family and visiting and trying to fit everything under one, you know, one little tight window. So I've, I've kind of grown a little bit more towards, va- you know, Christmas vacation as not my preferred holiday viewing, but if it's on, I will watch it. 
I, I will agree to some degree that it's not the funniest Christmas movie out there, but I also will say too that I don't think it was going for straight up comedy all time because if it was, I don't think you would have as many like you know financial issues and you know the, the you know obviously some of the interplay with like you know cousin Eddie for instance. Um, but I don't know. I, I think a lot of it was more of just more of a dramedy as opposed to like this is going to be funny for ninety minutes straight. And if it isn't, then it doesn't work. So, what are why don't why don't you like Christmas Vacation? And and maybe what's your preferred holiday you know selection? Oh, I'm about to just tinkle all over your parade. Because <laughs> here's another hot take. I don't all like right. a, I don't like a Christmas story either. Okay. So, and and this, I I grew up in Cleveland where it was filmed at the old Higbees. I went to yeah. high school with people who were extras. I remember the glory of them getting out of high school to go be in a Hollywood movie. That being said, why isn't there is nothing in Christmas vacation for me? I identify with nothing. Okay. Least of all, yes, the humor is sophomoric, and I can deal with sophomoric humor. Chevy Chase is the most unfunny man alive. (laughs) Okay. I I wondered if it was the because you're not the first person that I've ever heard say that. And I mean, obviously if you ever watch family guy, Chevy chase gets roasted almost weekly. It seems like on family Guy. So, okay. I know you're not. Okay. So you're not the first person that's ever said that. And I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, and you know, it's, and that's part of the the issue I think with some of the national lampoons movies is he's not, he's not unlikable. It's just that he, he's not very talented, I guess. Is that kind of what you're, you're saying? He's got, one note. It's called the fuddlement. Right. That's it. Now I'll confess to having liked him in Fletch. Okay, yeah. Fletch was a good movie. He was the best thing about it. I could appreciate that. Anything else you've ever done, it's like, eh, spies like that. Yeah. Yeah. But see, even the you, you mentioned the financial troubles about the here it is. You as an adult, financial troubles at Christmas time, for me as an adult, have never really been a problem with me and my family. Okay? Right. Now, I know as a child, that issue was there because I heard discussions about it growing up right and finding out that your grandparents bought your christmas gifts and not your your parent is a hell of a mind so right yeah i get it but and maybe it's a cultural perspective okay he's worried about money at, at, at christmas time um when I thought we needed extra money when when my I started my 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 family, my wife, my my older son, when we started out, <clears throat> and we wanted to pro- I I wanted to provide the right kind of Christmas. I thought, I thought it was the right kind of Christmas because I have this rule that you don't get crap you need for Christmas. It should be stuff you want. Right. Even if it's one time out of the year. Right. Um, that movie knowledge, you know what I, I, I did with it? Um, 
I took it to the mall. You ever hear of a chain called Suncoast Motion Pictures? Yeah. For three consecutive Christmases till we were on our feet financially, I worked at Suncoast Motion, Motion Pictures selling VHS tapes. Okay. So my thing was, my, my thing with that financial thing, why are you not just doing what you need to do? Sure. Why are you counting on a bonus? If you're counting on your bonus for your 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 your, your, your Christmas, you're an idiot. <laughs> I won't disagree there. And, um, and I realize it's a movie, so but that that's my right, way of right. addressing that. And my my wife and I have always had what's called a Christmas club, where you put away a little bit, right, right, every pay, and by the end of the year, you should have a nice little nest egg to go Christmas shopping with. Right. I haven't had to use a credit card and. More than a decade. I realize a lot of people don't have it like that. Therefore, I can see the connection they may have to right. the Griswold's financial issues. But here's yeah. the question. You're living in that freaking house and you've got financial issues for Christmas? <laughs> That's true, too. You're an the, idiot. It's the but classic first-world world problems because he wants to put an in-ground pool in there you know, very large Chicago suburb home. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think, um, I think you're right there. Um, I think as a total, pa I think it's a watchable movie, um, and even more so than like a Christmas story. Like my wife always wants to watch a Christmas story because she never saw it until I, you know, showed her the movie like ten years ago until, when we first started. You tortured her with it. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to mention that to her because she might have some fighting words for you. She loves the movie, but um, she had never seen it. And I'm like, oh, you never, you know, like watched it like Christmas Eve, you know, the 24 hour marathon that they have. And she's like, no, never did. That's what really killed it for me. When when okay Turner Turner. <laughs> yeah, I will say though that I do like to catch it at least once, maybe or. I always, when I was a kid, though, I liked to try to um, time up the Christmas opening presents with the Christmas presents on the, the movie and do it at the same time. But, you know, I digress. So, okay, so what about A Christmas Story? Was it just the overkill of it, or is there something else with it that just doesn't work for you? Saccharine sweet, and I'll be honest with you, never had a nuclear family. Never. Yeah. It was... It was, I, I had a stepfather who was in and out of prison, who I hated, uh, who treated me and my brother like crap. But, um, you know, I don't think of that nuclear family at Christmas. I, I think of my grandparents. I think of my, right. my extended family. I think of my aunts and my aunts, my cousins. But it 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 just got to be too saccharine, sweet, overkill, blah blah blah. Yeah. And no, can't do. It. Well, what movie do you uh, do you grab? It is there a, is there a Christmas movie that you uh, you know I gotta watch? Or um, you know I think obviously you know it's a wonderful life, or maybe the original Miracle on Thirty Fourth uh, Street are, are givens. But you know, I mean, do you like watch Elf, or do you? Does anything kind of stand out for you? There are a couple. Um, Love Actually has become okay, a tradition. Yeah. 
I, you want to watch me cry? Put on Love Actually at Christmas time. <laughs> that movie has so much to say about human relationships. Yeah. And the soundtrack beyond that, the what's basically a parody song, is yeah. absolutely fantastic. From the, the 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 Beatles cover song of of All You Need Is Love to the Joni Mitchell song, and I'm not a Joni Mitchell fan. Okay. But that song is absolutely beautiful. And for what it has to say about relationships, yeah, love actually. Yeah, uh, second one. Um, Do you like Elf? No, hate Elf. Okay. Okay. Can't stand it. I'm in the uh, Elf is a little overrated category. Even though I like it, I think it gets uh, it gets a little bit too much cloud, cloud around Christmas, though, I think. Um, it's, it's over the top and I know it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan. Okay. And it just annoys me more than anything else. Um, my second go-to is Scrooged. Okay. And because there's heart there, there's sincerity there. It captures the spirit of the moment and it's Dickens. Yeah. Um, Another one, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. If I'm going to do cute and fun at Christmas, yeah. and there should be joy and merriment at Christmas, The Muppets are no substitute. Michael Caine doing Michael Caine is brilliant. And again, <laughs> yeah. Paul Williams' soundtrack, his music for that, there isn't a bad song there. My wife would disagree. She hates the slow song. Where Ebenezer is and his his fiance are breaking up. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I have, yeah. There, there's a very slow song. She says takes it out of its rhythm. I disagree. The song is wholly necessary, but it's it's a wonderful, wonderful take on a Christmas Carol. Um, yeah. Believe it or not, and we're gonna go with a. a Unconventional Christmas story? Die Hard. Sorry. I'm going to ask you that, if, if you thought Die Hard fit into the Christmas category there. Indeed it does. And Bruce Willis okay. is Santa Claus. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the very least, even though we may disagree on some Christmas movies here, can we agree that the, the 2000 Grinch and then the animated Grinch are terrible? Can we agree on that, George? With the Jim Carrey Grinch? The Jim, the Jim Carrey Grinch. And then I don't know if you saw the animated one. I think it was from 16 or 18 that had Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch in an animated feature. But it was just dog trash. I did not see it. So, okay. What do you, what do you I, think about the Jim Carrey Grinch? It was what it was. A, big, a, a play with a big star at the time to, to cash in. That's a cynical take. You know, if, I, if I'm watching a Grinch, I'm taking my Grinch in a 30-minute dose with Boris Karloff doing the narration like most intelligent people would. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying because I, I, I feel like I'm, a, I'm alone in a, in a prison cell when I say, you know, the Grinch, the 2000 Grinch is just terrible. And I don't care if Jim Carrey was seemingly perfect as the Grinch or Ron Howard directed or it looked good. It was a trash film over it just was not good. I'm not gonna disagree with you. It it did not play 
translate. It did not translate to a feature a feature length film, no. at least not in a live action sense. It just did not translate from the original. Um, I can watch the original. My wife watched it the other day, so I watched it. So, uh, but yeah, she's she she can't understand why I don't like the two thousand version of the Grinch. But I I just cannot get into it. It's just horrific. It's it's just not a good film. When you're when you're used to that thirty minute one, the animated one. And, uh... um, but yeah, I mean, you know, with, I kind of look at, you know, Christmas movies, you know, Christmas story is probably like my favorite cause I grew up on it. Uh, but then as, you know, as I told George, you know, I, I, I kind of navigated towards, uh, the Christmas vacation film because it, it made me reminisce of Christmas, you know, as an adult, um, you know, other Christmas, you know, why is it so hard though? for a good Christmas movie to come out. I mean, I'm looking at like Christmas with the cranks and surviving Christmas and why him, why do we get so many terrible Christmas movies, George? Number one, I, I don't think people realize what a great, good Christmas movie is until it's had its time. I mean, okay. Elf, for instance, and I don't consider it a good Christmas movie. I understand it. Some consider it a classic, and I'm willing to to roll with that. Elf, for okay. instance, got mixed reviews when it came out. Right, right, yeah. Even the ultimate Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, got mixed reviews when it came out. Yeah, Scrooged. If you look at its its Rotten Tomato score, I think it's I think it's in the 60s with critics. Yeah, and I'm sorry, it's it it. People who look back on Bill Murray's career considers that, considers that one of his best performances ever. Right. And I can't disagree. Um, I just think that time treats Christmas movies differently. Yeah. It's the best way to put it. You never know what it is in the moment. Even A Christmas Story got mixed reviews when it came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it seems like, though, that, you know, when Christmas season comes around, we only see like, I, I shouldn't say we only see because we see a lot more, but the three big ones that we see played everywhere all day are A Christmas Story, but that's not until Christmas Eve. But then you've got Christmas Vacation on AMC. It's on HBO Max right now streaming. Elf, you'll see as well. It, it, it doesn't seem like we, you know, I think Arthur Christmas was a pretty good Christmas movie animated film from like, what, 2014, maybe. Um, so, you know, there have been some good Christmas movies, but it doesn't seem like anything, even time doesn't help some of these movies where you get, you know, or the uh, the Polar Express is another one I should I should probably mention. I don't know if you like if you like the Polar Express. I That's, gave it a positive review. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, that was probably one that slipped my mind that I should have asked you about because that's that that is one that I do enjoy a lot. But um, we agreed on something. <laughs> yeah, we did. We agree. Yeah, but yeah, it just See, seems I'm like it's it's hard for for films to catch up into that. I mean, I remember the um, well, Robert Zemeckis had the um, Jim Carrey led uh, stop motion, not stop motion, but the um, well, I guess it was the motion capture of. Um, Scrooge, or I don't know what I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head, but I remember um, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember if it was like you know whatever, but um, you know that that was pretty well received when that came out. But I've I haven't seen that on TV in years. Like it's and it's been around for ten years probably. We forgot one other one, Home what? Alone. 
Okay, okay, okay. What's your I, take on Home Alone? I, 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 if it comes on, I'm gonna watch it. I'll stop and watch okay. it. I don't I, like Home Alone. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it probable, but you know what? I don't care. It's entertaining. Good, I think it's, 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 it's hard to not watch. Huh? It's hard to not watch because it does have some elements of entertainment. And it's one of those where you can have have it on and be doing other stuff, or maybe you can sit down and watch it for ten minutes. And then, if you got to go to the bathroom, you're not going to pause. Or if you want to get a snack, you're not necessarily going to pause it. But it just it rings like I mean, look, is Kevin McAllister a sociopath? Like you know, a grown up Kevin McAllister is probably like torturing people in his basement of that mansion in Chicago. I mean, it is he devises these schemes. He acts so scared, and, and, you know, there's supposed to be this arc of him getting, like, more mature throughout, but he acts so scared like he doesn't know what to do, and then all of a sudden he devises these unbelievably elaborate schemes to, to rid his home of robbers, and then what does he do at the bitter end? Oh, call 911, my place is being robbed. Why didn't you do that to begin with and say, hey, I don't know where my family's at, help me. Because then you don't make over three hundred million dollars. <laughs> that is so true. Look, that, yeah, I, I, enjoy, true. I, I enjoy Home Alone. Yeah, it's silliness, but I enjoy it for the message, and, okay. and ultimately, the message <clears throat> is about family and right. and appreciating what you have there. Right, and right. No, I get that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have that nuclear family, so I can appreciate it. Real quick, two other movies. Okay. Nightmare Before Christmas, a movie that can straddle two totally different holidays. And finally, for me, and I lost the thought just right. uh, It'll 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 hit me after after we we we. Oh, another one that straddles two holidays. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think I would probably put that more in the it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, but, but it yeah, leads, you're right. It leads off into that the holiday season. Yeah, and yeah. it's like I I'd have no problem popping that in anytime in December. Yeah, those are those are two good ones. I think we can agree on those. Uh, although the the Nightmare Before Christmas, I, I I have I have a hard time looking at it the same way because. You know, a few years ago, there was a Family Guy episode where they made fun of, uh, you know, Tim Burton's take on movies. And that was one of them where they just, I mean, they just parodied, parodied, you know, all the music that you would hear in those movies and had this really creepy looking Jack Skeleton. And it was it was a funny parody, but it made me kind of like, I can't look at that movie the same way now because they made fun of it. And they kind of roasted it so bad that it made it made almost too much sense how they did it, and uh, it made me kind of look at it a little bit differently, and maybe even look at Tim Burton a little bit differently. With the exception of Sweeney Todd, I'll defend to my death the, the Sweeney Todd's a great musical, but uh, you know, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is a good film though. See their other agreement. Yeah, we need more though. I mean, we, we for all of those movies that we get four Christmases and deck the halls and just absolute train wrecks of movies but maybe one of these days we'll get like a, a classic made or something you know there's a lot of money to be made you know everybody wants it you always get these great stars i mean you know you always get people that are well known and then all of a sudden just none of it makes sense or 
whatever it may be. None of it, you know, I love the Coopers was one that I thought, oh, that could be good. And then it just was a drum, a dramatic train wreck, like you were nuclear family uh, said there, but uh, yeah, it's few and far between for holiday classics. So, uh, you know, anybody listening out there, please make some good holiday movies so we can actually enjoy watching new movies on Christmas. Yeah. Um, good luck with that. That's why we're watching the same ones over and over again each year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, George, uh, we, as always, we appreciate it. Everybody, you can read George Thomas uh, uh, at beaconjournal.com or subscribing to the newspaper, the Akron Beacon Journal. You can follow George at by George Thomas on Twitter. Always a great follow. Um, I'm sure, you know, you do reserve your your hot takes, though, for Facebook. So people have to be your friend in order to see your holiday hot takes. So Yeah, there, yeah, we, oh, yeah, we, yeah that's... You don't that's want to put that on Twitter. I, like, I would never put Home Alone's terrible on Twitter because I think I would, you know, if anybody cared about me, they'd roast me. Look, it's here. If you the, the take is here. I mean, yeah, my, that's true. We'll share it around. Here. I mean, but no. Um, now, Facebook is for people I trust. Yeah. I mean, like, I, it's it's people I can dis- disagree with on anything, including politics, and know that it, the the rela- relationship is still going to be there. Right. So yeah. that's why it's friends only. So. Okay. Well, we've talked about a big blockbuster this week. There's another one next week. What uh, What's on the horizon for next week? I know there's another big one here before Christmas. Uh, what do you got going on next week? I don't know if I, I missed the screening for Matrix. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I skipped it. It's like, and I'm debating whether I'm going to go to the makeup screening because that's with a full audience. Okay. And given the the, the 10,000 plus cases to go, yeah. Um I don't know if it's worth it, worth the risk. I had a close contact scare last week. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Okay. Uh, anything else on the horizon that you have seen or will be seeing in advance of the Christmas week? Only what I have to see for awards consideration. And I have to go through the DVDs and the screening links I've been seen, I've been sent and just decide to what I'm going to veg out to. There are a couple things I have to get to for the Critics' Choice Association Awards vote. It's less than, less than there would normally be. That that tells me something right there. Okay. So uh, there's just a couple things there I have to get to, but I'm truly taking it easy and hunkering down. Okay. Are you streaming anything, or is there something you want to catch up on streaming-wise out there? Nope. <laughs> fair enough all right well i'm sure we can uh piece together a show next week if not we'll take a week off and celebrate the holidays but uh aside from that we just wish everybody a merry christmas and we'll talk to you next week george all right hi i'm jennifer mooney welcome to what is our new hope interrupted podcast based on the work from our book hope interrupted that i co-authored with my good friend byron mccauley Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.